Today's episode gets heated, a little bit sciencey and a little bit spicy. Your discretion is advised. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to 4G Shore, everybody. Easter is over and uh, we're moving on. We are, we are moving on swiftly over to a topic that was uh, described previously uh, by our dear friend Anth, which hello. brings us... <laughs> Oh, which brings us over into the wonderful world, not necessarily of science fiction, maybe a little bit of science fact, but the origins of humanity itself. Ooh, ooky spooky. You know who it is. It's your boy, Egg, joined by... Ragnar, the demigod. Yo, 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 it's Colin. And Muppet Man, Anth. And we can actually blame you, specifically Anth, for uh, giving us this topic of today that you can uh, that you apparently didn't remember that you gave us. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that was good. I'll go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway. yeah, we're going to be. It's going to be a little bit of a spectrum, uh, because what you really put forward was the idea that, if I remember correctly, that it was basically just humans that were kind of brought over here, and your main point of evidence was that. We weren't able to look at the sun while other animals are able to. Yeah, that's right. That's my belief anyway. That's what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a bit suspicious, isn't it? Because if you think about it, as I say, um, every every animal on this planet can look directly at the sun apart from us. That's a bit suspicious. And possibly, in my opinion, I believe that that makes means that we probably come from a, um, a, um, a solar system with a... a you know, a red dwarf sun, possibly. A bit darker. Yeah. Hmm. I will rebut that by saying that I don't think any animal can look at the sun for an extended period of time. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, of course. But Well, if, like, the sun is slightly behind a cloud or if it's a sunset or, like, approaching late evening, you can, you can quite frequently stare happily at the sun. Yeah, but when you actually stop staring at the sun, you've got this really big freaking orange blur in your eyes so you can't see anything in front of you. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> and that's called a after effect. Yeah, and I don't know, like egg. I've I have something watch a dog staring at the sun, and it stays and stays and stays and stays and stays, and that dog can see perfectly fine afterwards. Yeah, but are you checking if it's blinking? Are you checking if it's squinting? Are you checking if it's actually looking away every now and again? Okay, egg. Here's mm. one for you then. Mm. So why is it that humans have only forty six chromosomes, whereas every other species has forty eight? <laughs> Everything has many different numbers of chromosomes. It's only gorillas that have 48 chromosomes. And we can really see just a standalone... Okay, so when you have very basic organisms such as bacteria and amoeba specifically, they can have hundreds of chromosomes. And what we're seeing is it's a bit of a correlation, not causation. But as the species becomes quote-unquote more developed, their number of chromosomes goes smaller and smaller and smaller. So um, we have 46. We don't. We have, a, we have 48 yeah. But no, we have go- 23 pairs, no. 46. Look it up. If we you have, have 48, four- you let, have let me a finish genetic and then, Let me finish and then you can come back. How's that? Okay. We have 48, but there is one pair that's actually stitched together, meaning we only have 46. One, one of the chromosomes, or two of the chromosomes, are actually, I suppose the lightest way to say it is, crisscrossed and stitched together. Um... And that's why they say humans only have 46. Now, the problem with that is, is who did it? Who who made who put these two chromosomes together? I mean, mother, there's no way Mother Nature did it. 
Well, okay, so we'll start from the beginning. Uh, chromosomes, for the most part, so when we say we have 46 chromosomes, it's that we have 23 pairs of chromosomes. So from each pair. Chromosomes course, yeah. always end up in pairs. And when they crisscross, that specifically occurs when a cell is undergoing replication. So during its metaphase, uh, the chromatin and the euchromatin all condenses and forms these X shapes. And we have 23 of those X shapes. And then those get split down the middle uh, when the cell replicates and it forms two beautiful uh, new cells, new daughter cells, each of them having this full set of uh, 46 pairs of chromosomes. So that's uh, when they officially develop and end that uh, growth phase. So what you're talking about is genetic translocation, which is where part of a chromosome attaches to another one, and that happens all the time. The only issue is that nine times out of ten, probably a lot more than that even, uh, when that takes place, uh, the resulting offspring, when it's formed, uh, is infertile. Or not even infertile, It's uh, it actually can't be born. It can't go right. through the full stages of growth. So the program I just watched yesterday was completely wrong. By the sounds of it, yeah. There are some genetic diseases where like translocation no, is no, possible no, 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 no. and they can ta- get stitched together, but it wasn't humans talking about in diseases. General. It wasn't talking about diseases. Hmm. It was talking it, they were talking about, as you say, the, the gorillas and the monkeys and that and that there's forty eight altogether, obviously two pairs. Um but it was to- we have one chromosome or two chromosomes that are literally crossed in every single human being, and what 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 it was saying is that in order for this to actually work, one of the chromosomes has to be inert because they wouldn't it wouldn't work correctly if if these two chromosomes are trying to sort of be both be live, it it wouldn't work, um, and this is what they were going on about, and they were saying that the there is literally it's. This, what they said was we had to be um, genetically modified. Somebody somewhere down the line genetically modified a creature on this planet to create humans. And if if it was uh, uh, just a freak um, thing, how you had apparently you, it has to happen to females and males. Mm. So where did that come from? I mean, and it couldn't have just been two 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 actual uh, individuals it would have to be uh, a large group to create humans you couldn't just say is, is this where adam and eve come from i don't know but it couldn't just be one male one female and then lo and behold we've nearly got eight billion people on the planet you know mm. yeah but let's let's look at it for what it is um we're talking to egg here who's obviously done a lot of university and stuff like that like others and I don't know how many freak accidents have to happen before they the can accept that there's things which just aren't unexplainable. I mean, the Big Bang was a freak accident. Earth was a freak accident. Humanity was a freak accident. You know, the work on statistics like 1 in 600, which was mentioned in one of our other podcasts, 1 in 600 is actually not that good of a odds. You know, we always work on, oh, it was just a freak accident. No, generally you know, there might be a plan out there. There might be a plan coming from other beings. What's, what, how can we sit there and say, no, no, other beings couldn't have put we here when we do exactly the same ourselves? Okay, so there's this infamous woman who was able to play 21 rounds of craps, uh, just like perfectly in a row, maybe even greater than that. And the chances of her actually winning that were 
so microscopic they're comparable to a dream being able to have uh, their specific play on Twitch, which is like just having so much monumental luck that like surely that couldn't happen in in dream's case it probably couldn't but with the woman she just straight up was able to win a craps 21 rounds in a row and the chances of doing that is about 1000 times if not greater than actually winning the lottery so you could pro so what she did was basically winning the lottery three times in a row are we talking about someone who was skilled in that or someone who'd just been picked up off the street and asked to do that? You can't be skilled at craps. <laughs> it's literally no, a game of no, chance. But, no, but, you, but, but the point is you can explain that. You can explain that, yes, it is, it is chance. Hmm. But what we're talking about when we're talking about the biology is it's uh, what was the reason for these chromosomes to do what they've done to create humans? Evolution and mutations don't have an idea in mind. We're just a step in the ladder of the process of evolution, whatever that may be. Nothing tends towards what where, we where are. Where did we evolve we're from? Then? evolving. So let, I'm gonna let's take this one step at a time. <laughs> so yeah. if we're if we're starting off talking about random mutations okay so we already have life wonderful stuff random mutations take place every single day because of errors because the systems that put us together that replicate our cells that then go off to create sperm and recombine sperm and eggs egg hello uh and then form new offspring there are so many instances where things can go wrong and that can lead to infertility and that can lead to miscarriages so we already see many mistakes happening there and then there are some mistakes that take place that still give you viable offspring. And those mm. mutations, those teeny little tiny things, build up over generations upon generations. So we're looking at humans as they exist right now that have existed for about, I believe, uh, anatomically modern humans have existed for about mm, 20 million years, give or take. Right. Probably but... not that, probably not even that. Probably okay. like 20,000. But... That's just, that just shows you how very slow and gradual this process of evolution is. That after all of those generations, we're still basically, we still basically, our entire body plans are practically the same as, uh, as those individual humans who we call ourselves being anatomically similar to. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, we're talking about Earth existing for 4.5 billion years we're talking about magnitudes and orders and size of the Earth is so grand and the solar system is so massive and there are so many galaxies out there that when you take a step back and look, it's like, at some point, one of these planets basically had to have the right conditions to form life. It would be a massive impossibility, you could say, that in the entire galaxy, and then all the galaxies, 100 billion of them that we can just see with our own telescopes, who knows what's even further beyond that? One of those planets in one of those galaxies, it would be ridiculous if life didn't happen somewhere. And why not here? Not really, because no. I watched a I watched a program that clearly stated that it it wouldn't be ridiculous to turn around and say life didn't exist at all, because it is mathematically impossible for life to form. We had to have certain matters in place um, to create light to start with, which then created planets which then created asteroids and then created everything else around it, which is inevitably what scientists claims as we are stardust. 
Um, that all had to happen, and every scientist will say, freak accident. Yeah. Now, freak. Oh, you can only have so many freak accidents. You know, you can't <laughs> sit there and say, every time you can't explain something, it's a freak accident. If I say to you, prove the Big Bang's real, you'd sit there and say this, that, and the other. You can't prove it, but we're expected to believe it. It's the same as sitting there saying evolution. Evolution is a design that's happened over the human body for the conditions of the earth. It's happened over animals, so we'll become the perfect hunters, the best at what we do, we're the best thinkers. But unless your planet's got water and oxygen, you can't evolve because life doesn't exist. Bullshit. We don't know that. that we don't know that. If evolution exists, that's what scientists tell you. So there's no good use saying we don't know that. If you go up to a proper scientist and say, can life exist on Mars? They'll say, no, there's no water. Can life live on Venus? No, the ox- there's no oxygen. It's all gases and acids. Evolution wouldn't make a difference if there was water or not there because whatever lived there would evolve that planet so science to me is yes there's a lot of science which is proof that yes this is real that's real the other's real but the truth is science takes a guess like everything else we use human theory to put a guess at it we don't we don't know the truth you can't know the truth because we're not meant to know the truth you know hmm. we're good at what we do we've got really good brains we can fly to another planet but there are many many things that as humans, we simply cannot and will probably never not know. Assuredly. I'm absolutely sure of that. But at the same time, there are many things we can prove. We can happily put people... We can we can put people fairly happily and reliably onto the moon, for example. We can fly people across the Earth happily in, uh, in aircraft. We can do so many things. And yes, it's true that science doesn't necessarily give you the truth. But it gives you a very, very good estimation and it gives you a model that you can then use to then explain things. And when you apply that model to situations, you come back with results that basically agree with the model that you've placed. And that's how science works. It's not perfect. And we're not saying that we're able to absolutely no, say everything, everything. This is, this, is, this is where I disagree because the model we use is made by a human with the mathematics that we designed as humans. We're told mathematics is universal throughout space. Actually, humans made mathematics, so there's no saying that if there was an alien, they'd be using the same mathematics as us. We put it in a model, we put it in a computer that we've designed, a program we've designed, so guess what's going to happen? We're going to get the results that we particularly want. Well, this isn't psychology where we get to say, this is what... I mean, that's kind of the reason why Freud's theories were able to continue going forward, because they weren't verifiable. But when you look at just hardline mathematics... You can't change what colour something appears just because you want it to look a certain way. You can't look at a plant and say, that plant is purple when it's clearly green. It's not some... I understand what you're saying, that because we're humans, we are confirmation bias, we have the capacity and the capability. Even if we don't want to, we have that error within us to be able to say, okay, this looks like this. But the way that science, that modern science is built up, is through peer review. And sure, they're all made out of humans, but we also include technology. We look at verifiability. We have statistical analysis. It was made by humans, but it's based on... Okay, so what you were saying about maths being formed by humans, some of the more complex stuff, it starts getting a little bit wiggly-wonky. 
But you cannot disagree that one plus one equals two. Well, you can't, but it's still a human construct. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's evident. It is evident in the universe that when you take one thing and add another thing to it, you create, you have two of those things. And that's all you need then to form algebra. And from that, calculus. And everything leads on and it slots together beautifully. When you start applying it to physics, sure, then we can talk about something. But maths in its purity is practically infallible. Well, maths in its purity, but we designed it that way. Sorry, Ragnar, I cut you off. Yeah, there. I was just about to say, maths is basically just man-made anyway. It's not like the universe turned on and said to us, oh, yeah, there is some mathematical equations for you. Work it out. <laughs> no. We had to observe things, and from those observations we can see patterns. And from those patterns we're able to reproduce and predict what's going to happen. We use our mathematics that we got from a thousand years ago that we're able to basically say, this star is going to be here in the next few hours. And then, due to solar processions, we're going to be able to see that the star and the moon are going to cross over here. And we were able to see, using mathematics... We, we didn't go out and decide to, like, push the moon or, like, get a big rope and pull the sun closer in such a way that we can make an eclipse happen on the exact day that we predicted to. We are able to predict how the universe works to such a fine and wonderful degree. And I think that's astounding. And we're very capable. And maths is intrinsic to the universe. No, we're not. No, we can't. Not, not at all. We Except we do. Predict. We, we can predict what our solar system's going to do. Hmm. We can't predict the universe. If we, were going to, if we could predict the universe, we would have predict many, many things. There's asteroids out there that we can't predict. You know, in that basis, you're sitting there saying, oh, well, mathematics has basically made it so we can predict. We can predict what's moving and what we're seeing for, as you say, 20,000 years, you know, because we've seen it and we'll look at it. But we can't predict, in general, what the universe is doing or what the solar system's doing. I'm not saying not we can... I'm not arguing that we can predict everything. I'm saying that maths exists distinct from humanity. And it's something that we can uh, we can observe and we can apply patterns to and apply models to. But it's still man-made, though. Yeah, for, uh, sorry, I'm jumping back to the original uh, mm. thing. Did but you basically you're saying humanity's a, uh, an accident, a freak accident of Mother Nature, is that correct? The way you say it makes it sound like a bad thing. I never said it was a bad thing. When you I when said, you say something's you, a freak accident, you don't describe well, okay, it's a an, wonderful it's an, time. It's, okay, it's an accident of Mother Nature. Like, for instance, a cat could be born with two heads. Yeah, totally. That, yeah. Okay. So what what but so now what you're saying is that um, somehow an accident happened um, that created humanity, which is now a number of again getting up to eight billion. Um, Overly simplified, but yes. Yeah, but how how do how do you explain that though? Because, I mean, surely if something was, you know, if there was a a, a, um, a break in the matrix, as it were, <laughs> how how come that humanity became what it was? I mean, just for off one um, one species that happened to have, um, I'm going to use the word again, a freak accident. So two heads. So why don't why don't we see um, cats with you know thousands and thousands of cats with two heads? I know. You're very adamant yeah. actually. You like, work this cat with two heads, like, aren't you? Are you waiting for like evolution <laughs> to start doing this? But uh, evolution. Uh, my understanding is evolution would correct itself. No, 
No, evolution no, is thousand every single second. So, our cells so are we should mistakes. so we should be seeing like a, an army of cats with two heads. And no, but these these tiny mutations and these tiny little errors, these tiny freak accidents that occur on a cellular level, are so tiny and so minute and cause such small changes that you need to wait generations upon generations for you to see the actual change take place. Cancer, uh, so when I was talking about transmu uh, translocations of. Um, what you're describing as uh, chromosomes kind of fusing together or like parts switching over from one place and ending up on another that can happen and that cause it that is a leading cause of many of the big mutations um, we can also see multiplications of uh, extra chromosomes and that's how we get uh, that's how we get down syndrome yeah, uh, yeah, of triploidy and all of that and that's where we see common large mutations that just kind of spring out of nowhere. But evolution is not large mutations. It's many small mutations over time. And you, can't, you can see it, actually, in, um, in mostly bacteria. So if you put a bacterium... So they replicate so quickly and with so many faults, so many mutations, and their life cycles are literally less than minutes long. The amount of evolution that bacteria and tiny creatures like that can undergo is astounding. We can see evolution take place when we put them under some heat and then just keep them under that uh, heat for a year or so. They will evolve to withstand the heat and thrive. Absolutely, but the mutation, as, as you're talking about, I'm not saying that you know we went from ape to human in one, one jump, but mm. the point is, is if there was a mutation, um, as small as it is, how come we... Um, you surely you couldn't the the mutation wouldn't jump from one animal to the next yeah so what happens is a mutation can occur in a single individual every single be, animal it can be every single so, animal so if this one animal let's say it's just a dude it's just a it's a dude pre-human who has this mutation that maybe gives him slightly bigger muscles he's more evolutionary successful he's able to survive and he's able to beat off not beat off uh <laughs> he's able to defeat all of the other males in his tribe therefore he gets mating privileges because he's able to just shove all the other guys away and he's able to then reproduce and create more offspring what that then does is it increases the prevalence of his genetic material and that strong muscle gene and that ends up uh being more present in the population now when he has children that's great he can like have five children then he dies off but then those five children have that same mutation they have an increased chance of being able to survive for longer than everyone else survive better than everyone else get stronger than everybody else so then that uh that evolutionary line and that gene that is able to increase the evolutionary fitness of that individual gets spread throughout the population and it catches like wildfire after four or so generations but why would that why would that malfunction that he had um jump to his children and their children and their because that's genetics and so, and so. so when yeah, so when he's born what, when it, you're born you your genome is basically set that's the biggest change that's going to happen in terms of the genetic line when the mummy, when your mummy and dad get together bang chicka wow wow uh the genetic material mixes up it recombines your genome is new, it's beautiful, it's completely distinct, it's different. And, and uh, sometimes during that process, uh, you can have tiny little mistakes. And then those mistakes can give you certain benefits, certain disadvantages. I can argue with that. Sorry, Colin. There. I can argue with that, right? By turning on saying that you've got this one dude that's actually like, strong as hell and he mates with like, however for like the kids and shit like that. 
you're saying mm. that it could be passed down by generations of like DNA and all that sort of stuff, right? But in the same uh, concept, it'd be less likely of it happening as well because it could go one of two mm-hmm. ways. One minute you could say, see there, you say his genes are being passed down and being strong, but one of them might not live as long as him. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like it's genetics. Yeah. It can be reversed at the same time. Not necessarily reversed, but when you have a child, the chances are at least 50% that your traits are Yeah, be but then that, that trait child. would be passed on to that ch- uh, child's child, right? And then the traits were yeah. passed on to that, and the less likelihood of it actually being passed down is becoming more slim. So what we have is we, we talk about there being an allele, which is like a snippet of DNA that codes for this uh, mutation, this change. So that allele remains present throughout that population. And as long as that allele increases the chances... So let's say that... Okay, so this works really well with humans and everything that has more than one child. If you have more than one child, your chances are that at least one of your children is going to possess that allele. And if it's a dominant allele... So we talk about um, people with brown eyes having the dominant brown allele. That means it always gets expressed. It'll always get expressed... Uh, no matter like as long as it's somewhere in your chromosomes it'll always be there so it could be a dominant trait that gives you more muscle mass and then makes you more powerful that could be a dominant trait and that will always be expressed every single time even though it was the um, a gorilla for instance is a lot is something like three times stronger than a human yeah but yet a human evolved. It's, it's, we're meant to be close to a gorilla. Yeah, I'm oversimplifying. We're more closely related to chimpanzees than well, gorillas Yeah, as well. but you've got to remember, not everyone who listens to this is going to be a, a massive professor, so oversimplifying is good because so yeah. people can understand. Hmm. The, it, what, I, what I got from what you were saying there is that, obviously, when people have children, there's there's an error in the system and there's a change in the, the Biotic. So what we're saying is that anyone who's born for disablement, yeah, is basically an error, and and it's evolution gone wrong. And evolution doesn't want to change that. Evolution wants to let that happen because so... it's genetically <laughs> implanted. That this is what you're trying to say. Try by doing the science side of it. The big issue is that, like, in the same way that we kind of say, "Oh, gravity's bringing me down." Gravity doesn't have a personality. Gravity doesn't have a drive. Gravity is something that is a result of, some people say, the Higgs field that gives things mass. But it's a warp in space-time. We personify so many things. We personify Mother Nature herself, <laughs> for example, not by be, making us sound funny. Nurturing. I mean, by sitting there saying, gravity's bringing me down, hmm. that's taking it literally by saying it's, you're, you're classing it as a human. You're not. Gra- gravity is bringing you down every day but what is that gravity is keeping you on this planet that's that's a fact so the reality is that's just taking something someone said and saying oh well this is literally what it meant it's it's a human being but we're personifying that's the issue the same with mother nature it is a phrase a phrase is mother nature mother nature designed the world blah 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 because we Hmm. don't know what designed the world we don't know how the world got to the way it was we can assume Hmm. But we don't know, and and the thing is with evolution, I've like like tone, like I'm sorry, we've listened. I've watched things about evolution over and over again. I've watched many different programs, programs from people who talk about ancient aliens coming onto the earth, programs which talk about the scientific side, like what you're talking about, and everyone says the same about evolution. Evolution is about becoming the best of that being. Mm. Now, as Anthony turned round and says. Quite rightly, if that's the case, evolution should be 
technically whittling out these problems and as you stated should be amplifying the good aspects but you look at the world today evolution's going backwards it's because it's no longer going by natural selection okay so starting off with your first point evolution does not have direction evolution does not have this idea of like what a perfect being is evolution is a result of mutations and then these mutations either give you a pot it gives you a lift or an or a disbenefit it like puts you down um so when a new being is born with a benefit it's more likely to survive therefore its alleles its genes its its uh, properties are more likely to survive and proliferate throughout a population. That is evolution. It is a resultant force of something else, which is mistakes. So if everybody, if everybody that is born from a certain population gets, uh, gets these random mutations that make it more likely to survive, great, they're more likely to survive. And those that are worse are less likely to survive and they fail to reproduce. So those that are able to reproduce have more successful genes, uh, and then the population appears, well, it in a way does change, but it appears to go for, it, it goes towards and changes towards what we would look as being better. But evolution does not know what better is. Evolution is rolling the dice every single time and most of the time but, it fails most of the time but evolution you, you makes physically bad, referred to evolution as a as an entity as a being when you turn around and say as well evolution's kind of went stale it's because i'm speaking your language i'm trying to like connect but, everything together and make okay, it but, easy but enough but egg, to you're actually but egg you actually believe that just one animal um actually created all humans like go back no that's right what you believe. you believe it could be just one animal so the chance the chance that this one animal survived uh, was better than any other animal in its species bred and humanity came down the line i don't i don't I, because my belief is if that was the case it would have to be done to more than one animal at once which means obviously again alien intervention that's what i believe i believe there was alien intervention and they were mocking it i do believe we're i'm not saying that we'll come from a, a different planet i think we do come from this planet but we were the the chromosomes and the dna was mucked about with and that created humanity i don't know why i, I think possibly was some kind of experiment but the the point is i, I can't accept that it was just random chance mm. that one creature um had a mix-up in its DNA or chromosomes, and that one creature was able to breed with X number of females uh, to the point where we are now with humanity being the dominant species on the planet. It, it would be... I mean, it, if it happened to a, a greater number, you know, fine. But then again, if you say it, it was a greater number, what happened that made all these creatures um, have the chromosomes tied together or whatever to, 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 to where we are today? Yeah, enough random chance and, enough, and a high enough population, you can just have it where alleles can be expressed that have different factors. So I'm not saying that one single mutation took place and then that went to one individual and then that made them stronger. We're talking about many, many different mutations all happening kind of all at the same time throughout the entirety of human history. 
good alleles would have been picked up, some bad alleles would have been lost. And what we see with that is just this steady progression and development of man. I, I don't want to say a progression and development because that makes it sound like evolution has this idea in mind, but it yeah. doesn't. It's just, it's basically mathematics. If you have some amount of error, you have some that some that's bad, some that's good, the good will survive, and that's evolution. Yeah, but why do we still have gorillas and monkeys if that's where we actually come from? Yeah, because gorillas and monkeys decided to stay swinging up into the trees. So what you have there is niche uh, differentiation. Animals were happy staying on the ground, maybe living in caves, uh, creating huts for themselves and providing shelter that way. Monkeys survived by existing in a different niche. They stayed up in the trees, or they like kept close in their little jungle communities where humans were considered uh, far too dangerous, and we just decided to sprawl across the savannah. So it's the same way that you have many animals that are still happily surviving despite the fact that humans are now, we're now all over the world, we're everywhere, everywhere. There are some things that live in the mountains where humans don't want to go, some things that live in the deep oceans where humans can't live uh, because it's inhospitable. That's the reason yeah, why we still have do monkeys. You, do you believe we came from monkeys though, and gorillas? Or, um, so we didn't come from monkeys, we shared a common ancestor with things we call monkeys. So they're so, like our really, really distant cousins. Mm, mm, a million times, yeah. a billion, <laughs> a oh, million yes, times. That, I understand that, but mm. I would think I, you, you would normally think that if one, one half, you, you basically were seeing somewhere down the line was split, um, mm. and the Neanderthal, and obviously, but it, it's just hard to believe it. Really, I, I, I honestly believe that um, there was alien intervention. I mean, there's a lot more to it than just talking about the chromosomes. But and uh, shall we move on to alien intervention? I think that we yeah. were actually put on this planet because if you th look back in like uh, like history itself, like the, the the development of the planet and all that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Look back to the places like Egypt, how they had the pyramids and stuff like that, and like the Aztecs, how they had their places built the way that they built. Somebody would have had to give them ideas on how to build stuff like that. You know what I mean? In my mind, I think we were actually put down on this planet uh, as an experiment, and we all basically kind of like screwed that up by, like, obviously, like any other species, you know? Trying to dominate the others. Why is it ludicrous that humans making piles of rocks and then making better piles of rocks? Pile Why does rocks? that sound crazy? Is that what you would call it? Uh, we look at the, yeah. look, at the look at the pyramids. Them pyramids and stuff. are stronger than anything we can build today. They uh, are not piles of we rocks. We can make they piles of rocks, but it just isn't space efficient. It's oh my god! <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand why the pyramids or large stone structures that by definition are earthquake resistant. They're resistant to um, climactic disasters. They have wonderful slopes that can just let water run right off of them. And they're made out of nice hard stone that we already know can exist. Not all of them actually have like nice slopes to prevent stuff like that. Not all of them actually have like uh, like a higher grounds to prevent like uh, tidal waves or, you know, not all of them have that sort of uh, structure that goes on. But you think about it, right? Look at the, the way that they... Uh, like, paintings on walls like from those times you know 
the how did they come across like the whole like beings and like uh, the the moons and like the stars and all that sort of stuff? Somebody would have had to shown them how to do all that, because we didn't just like start off through um, like we didn't have scientists basically. You know, somebody has to have shown us how to actually do all of this. So to 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 basically sum up before I had to go there. So, mm. um. Firstly, to class it as piles of rocks is an injustice. Really, it is. Yeah. Because I've watched programs where these these people who were years and years and years and years and years and years and then you're talking thousands of years behind were hmm. were cutting better ra- ra- uh, angles than some of our tools. You've got beings that were taking rocks bigger than the side of your wall and dragging it across a land where was barely any trees and then placing it higher than anyone could place it in that time by what a bit of rope and a bit of wood it's it's injustice to say a bit of rock and these buildings have stood long 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 time not they haven't been checked on every five years or four years like we've got to do with our bridges and we've got to do with our homes to keep them in state i would like to say without any human intervention if this house I live in would still be standing here in a thousand years' time, doubt it. Because <laughs> houses aren't designed to stand for thousands of years. They're made to be easy, efficient, and able to just Right, and there's does many to. human things. To sit, to sit there, there's scientists that's been on TV that has clearly turned around and says humans couldn't do what the Egyptians did. If we did, we'd be doing it now. <laughs> no, because pyramids are extremely time costly so is a skyscraper and you can't even build anything no because a skyscraper is extremely habitable it has loads of space for you to live in if you're building something out of solid rock that basically holds a single sarcophagus you're not going to be able to get too much monetary value but out it of doesn't just hold building. a single one it actually has like, mo- multiple catacombs and chambers and stuff like that within them yeah that that's what you're bypassing and the fact that it it it's like that they just brushed off now he has a little fact for you i watched programs which stated that the pyramids could have been some form of so some form of power a generator or area for the egyptians to receive power or a point of energy within the earth years later scientists came out and proved that there was actually some form of energy or it was used as a power source or something along them lines i can't can't give you the exact because I, I haven't got it in front of us, but they proved what this theory was right all along. For these people, these let's let's say people who were less advanced, that's an, that's marvelous, you know, to be able to build something like that. That is marvelous. So the idea that there wasn't any form of intervention, and then you take along the sides of say religion. Maybe religion isn't real. Maybe religion is these people coming from space down and speaking and helping these people we didn't have words for aliens then we didn't have words for uh, ufos what was the best word they got god that's true yeah yeah so if you're talking about they created a power source did you say i didn't say they created a power source it, i'll see if i can get it up just so i can give consult you consult your desk it. demon no i will i'll have a talk to him <laughs> uh, what just confuses me is have we been able to kind of like activate that power conduit and get it to activate? 
it could have been used for anything. It could have been used as a heat source. It could have been used as a water source. It could have been used as some sort of uh, like some form of like genera uh, generator or something like that. You know what I mean? I am just right, really so basically, what this is. Right, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. So basically, what it is is I was watching a program. The program's called Agent Aliens. People can watch it if they want. And they were talking about the split off points in the catacombs. Um, and they were saying these areas could be used. It's it's stuff you would see in a pyramid, a pyramid in a power plant. Blah 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 blah. They could be used for areas of access and energy. So scientists done a lot of research, and it came the Great Pyramids of Gaza can collect and concentrate electromagnetic energy in its chambers and at its base. Scientists have discovered its ability to concentrate electric and magnetic energy was discovered by a team of researchers led by scientists from itmo university they confirmed what these people who were trying to say aliens had some form of um contact with were back in the egyptian days things like that and help would do what we were doing and, and this this kind of confirmed that the pyramids were more than just the rock that had been built they had a purpose and it wasn't just for a dead body. There was something about it. We don't know exactly what for, but that wasn't an accident, building that rock where it was. No, because it, it lines up with um, the star, star systems and that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yeah. Idea, so, yeah. yeah. And I mean, who, who was it who was clever enough to do that? That is the point, though. Then you've got, then you've got the statues. You're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of tons, yeah, on the statues, you know. And... We're led to believe that humans got a, thousand, a couple of thousand slaves to pick these stones up. Well, the, the, a good book is also Chariot of the Gods. Did you have you spoke about that one? Sorry, because I had a go. Well, I have briefly mentioned that the belief that gods or the, or any god that's been mentioned um, derives from aliens coming down. So, but I haven't directly mentioned the book Chariot of Gods. Well, you know the big, you know what the biggest giveaway is, don't you? It's actually the Bible, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And because if you read the Bible properly, it it talks about the gods. It doesn't say God; it says the gods, uh, which is a bit suspicious, isn't it? That's true. I yeah. mean, when God, when and and God, when when Moses and God told them not to look upon him, you know, as I fly by, that's what he said. As I pass by. Yeah. Well, the belief is that when the Great Flood came, obviously the, there's an aspect where they, they talk about obviously a room where all animals were kept and what, what, what the belief is it could be, and it's not far-fetched because we could do it ourselves if there was going to be a catastrophe, is the DNA of these animals were kept That's in a laboratory right. yeah. up in space while the flood happened, whether that was brought on by God or just a, contract, a destruction that happened to the earth. Isn't, isn't there a satellite up there that they don't talk about very much that it's the called the is it the dark satellite or the black satellite that hasn't been explained properly and I'm not sure. no, aye, and because uh, nasa uh, i've seen it um, nasa spoke about it a little bit but obviously it, it got hushed up but they reckon that there's actually something floating around around our planet um and don't know oh yes, I know. I know what you're on about. They're trying to say it's an asteroid or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the full ins and outs of it. Well, black but I know this black, black and square, <laughs> an asteroid. Huh? God knows. Uh, God knows. But I have heard of it that something's going around the planet, and we're kind of pinpointed, or we don't know what it is. But I, I, 
there'll probably be some scientific explanation for it. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I believe that aliens have intervened or aliens are nearby and watching. But you know. just uh, just think about it, you know what I mean? Say, how are we able to actually create things? I think what's happening is basically evolution. We're going back to the evolution slightly. We started off as a certain species, right? Then we evolved. But did we evolve ourselves or did something come down or like aliens come down themselves and give us the prompt to actually uh, evolve that way? We were genetically modified. Yes, genetically modified to actually evolve over the years. Then when when we stopped evolving, after that, right, they've come back down again and actually altered us again to actually evolve us even further. To yeah. the point that we are to where we are today, you know, we've gone from like building like pyramids and like um, like statues and the stuff like that. Right. I mean, so, sorry, Rags. So it's just to give you a quick insight of what someone with the alien theory believes. Like Egg, they believe that humans derive from an ape-like creature. What they believe is these were taken up, DNA was taken from them, combined with some other DNA either from them or or the, the ape-like creatures and created us. We were then put on earth and helped and guided. Um, the, the belief is also because we started getting advanced and more aggressive and, and things like that, they kind of left and let were to our own. No, they didn't, there was a war. Oh, war. Uh, because because humanity, um, it, we were actually, in my belief is, I've read a little bit about this, is that humanity was crea- created? We were slaves, okay, to a supreme. And if you look at the Bible, what does it tell you? It says uh, man was created in the image of God, right? So basically, we were genetically modified from yes, a creature from this planet, to look or resemble like these beings from another planet, so we could do all the crap, the slave work, but it was also so they could breed with her to. Um, reproduce themselves and that's why we were genetically modified um, and I want to touch on Atlantis here the Atlantis actually was the land of these uh, beings and there was an enormous war back when <laughs> just a belief that um, there was one side against another because obviously there would have been um, pe- I'll, I'll call them people aliens or people who didn't want things to go the way they've got the wind and obviously one side another side and then there was a war to the point where they practically destroyed each other and then humanity was pretty much the only ones left and now i'm not saying they're not still here because i believe uh, there is aliens here but um I, this is my belief system and i think that's what happened Mm. We, if we didn't believe in aliens, or we, uh, we didn't believe that we were actually brought down from, uh, like, from space or something like that, why do we have movies like Alien vs Predator or like stuff like that, or Independence Day, Skyline, that, and all that sort of the, stuff? The funny thing is that was actually uh, that was put into our DNA to be, and also it does come from the animal instinct of being warlike. Maybe they couldn't get that part out of where I don't know. But we are warlike at the end of the day. But no, we, but we always uh, what have I to meant, have an adversary, do we? Don't we? What I meant by that, though, was like, how did we come up with the ideas of stuff like that? If we if we weren't put yet, but then you just said there, 
that it, it, it could have just been like an idea like embedded in us. But you yeah. always have to have somebody to hate on, don't you? I mean, in yeah. our mon- <laughs> in our kind of like mythos of monsters, what do we find scary? Things that don't have very visible eyes, maybe black eyes or eyes that aren't even like visible to us. To Long, sharp dark. teeth, <laughs> claws, things that look like insects. The things yeah, yeah, that yeah. basically create what we think of as a xenomorph from the Alien franchise. So all of these monsters are partially, for the most part when we look at sci-fi, they're extensions of our primal fears of insects, lizards, large things with teeth that can kill us. And then it's just a big... I mean, we've had that for... Uh, generations for millennia in some cases with the yeah. Greek idea of the chimera a scorpion mixed with a lion so it's like these big two scary things and that's what the idea of aliens to us is well we came up with you know Bigfoot uh, whether that's true or not it's another thing but we came up with the likes of vampires and stuff like that so humans are really good at creating the own hmm. I mean in the same way we thought up fairies does that mean the gods are fairies did we create like the idea the idea of there being magical teenage girls who can transform. Like, you don't need to have something put in, jammed into your DNA to think it up. Well, yeah. no, but at the end, it, it, like, for thinking stuff like that, like, going back to the Egyptians now, where did they get the ideas for their statues? Like, you know, of Horus and uh, the, the, the rest of them. Because and stuff they like were that. furries. Because oh. they were furries, right, okay. Mm. Yep, straight up. The Egyptians were the OG uh, furries of the ancient world alongside the people of Minos. Uh, who then created the Minos Tower or the Minotaur? We stand, we love, and adore. Yeah, humans, I think, are just extremely creative, and we're really, we're really able to do a lot through the power of storytelling. And I think just some stories gain a lot of traction over time. People are really into them; they get celebrated. We have great heroes and villains, and massive ideas of how the world could have possibly been created, and they evolve in their own way to suit. The environment that they're in they go they go through their own mimetic evolution and the best story sticks around longer but the difference is with the alien one it is gaining traction yes and it is also gaining traction because they're able to bring things to front which makes a lot of sense i.e you're sitting there saying fairies right so the egyptians made fairies what about the, the nations that looked upon the skies and decided the wood Start drawing pictures in the ground, which can only be seen by A, not by them, but they decide to draw these pictures on the ground of beings and animals. And the explanation for that is they were bored. No, they did it for a reason. The same way we do things for a reason. We don't just go out and do something because we're bored by we might graffiti on the wall, but we do it so we can see it, not so the sky can see it. Unless you do believe in a magic sky daddy who you want to praise for all of uh, the things that he's given to you. In which case, drawing on the ground makes perfect sense, but it doesn't mean that there is. Yes, and this is where the alien daddy. theory comes in. You mm. call it a magic sky daddy. An, age, an ancient alien believer will call that their god. Yeah. So basically, a being that's put them there, that's coming down and helping them. And the, the reason for this theory is because it actually happened in modern history. So World War Two, you'll notice egg, that America landed on an island where there was a lot of natives there. These natives didn't know much about the technologies that was going on. And because Americans were landing in these big planes, were bringing loads of food, these people looked at them as God. They made statues when the Americans weren't coming back. The planes that would come in and they would make 
diagrams and everything and they'd pray for these people to come back or the gods to come back so it goes to say that if that happened people back then would have just assumed these these aliens coming down were gods you then know why do so, we not see any of their technology in a state that's like very well preserved and kept in a wonderful place in case the gods come back for them in the same way that probably those americans left some tin cans maybe uh some squash tires any form of trash and rubbish and garbage and stuff they threw away or maybe some buttons or a cuddly toy all of those things would have been happily left over on that island maybe even planted an american flag that would have what would, what would happen generations. what would happen to anything over five thousand years from like stone or metal well if it's made out of something extremely advanced technology that was made to last then it would absolutely survive if kept in a nice but he's, sturdy environment he's just said there that that isn't made of metal or brick or anything like that it would, generally it would actually like, either rust or would actually like, disintegrate over time well yeah but if you make anything out of gold or any form of um, kind of stainless steel ferrous material. I would have assumed that advanced civilizations would have created stainless steel. You can't say gold because that would honestly get melted down a million times over. Except oh, what what did they line all of their crypts with and their sarcophagi? What did they keep inside of all of these pyramids? Gold, because it lasts. And why did they believe in life after death? Because it's it keeps them nice and warm and cosy at night when they know that when they die they'll go somewhere else. But who told them that? <laughs> Each other. No, oh, no, I know, but somebody had to come up with the idea. No. I mean, the the <laughs> yeah, someone can come up with the idea and that can spread. Yeah. Here's one for you then, right? Yeah. Obviously, we keep talking about evolution and stuff like that, yeah? Uh, all yeah. those people, right, all those people over the years that have actually been abducted or the claim they're being abducted by aliens, how do you know they haven't been genetically altered? Maybe they have, but we still don't have any fine, well, uh, sturdy evidence that they did in fact get abducted, or any actual alien sightings. Exactly, you can't approve it, you know what I mean? Well, we can go so... in and 23 and me and then it says, hmm, 23% chance you're from Mars. You could, in theory, but I understand what you're saying. The process has been made a lot, a lot cleaner nowadays. But if we wanted to, we could absolutely go into someone's DNA and check to see if there's, like, the works of William Shakespeare written in their DNA. That's extremely plausible. Let's let's assume, though, let's go back 5,000 years, right? Hmm. And let's assume society is where we are now, technological. Hmm. And we had a, um, a nuclear war that literally killed 95% of the population of the planet. Hmm. All of these cities towns, wherever, would they actually exist after a nuclear attack? No, and then, but what then would with the period of 5,000 years, there wouldn't really be anything left. So, how do you not know that that didn't happen? You'd find a thin layer of uranium 238 mm. scattered uh, just across and it would form this nice little extremely visible line of radioactive decay that would mm. be present across the entire world. That's which the phones which the factory found. <laughs> you turn around and say, well, you, you're trying to make, what What about a device that is made to last? What about if they made a weapon that didn't drop all this uranium? Because we're getting into the realm that we, we don't know. I mean, that we, the point is they had light bulbs from what my understanding in the Egyptian times. I mean, and they had batteries and all that mm -hmm. kind of malarkey. So 
I'm not saying it was the alien intervention at that time, but there was there's a lot we don't know about, and that's only 2,000 years ago. Let's go back 5,000, 10,000. I mean, every religion, or every, every country, or every religion actually does worship some kind of god, I believe, that's above, that comes from above. Now, that would no, more than likely mean some kind of um, alien that, we was obviously came down with miraculous um, inventions and weapons that we just didn't understand. So we would actually naturally see them as gods. Wow. And to go along with what Egg says is that, yes, a human came up with it. They came up with, it with each other. You're talking about beings which never had contact with each other, never been around each other. Yeah. Every, single, every single one of them had gods before they even met each other. So what happened is everyone woke up that morning and thought, let's create a being. That's, that's right. That's a they don't wake up one morning. What I'm going to say Again, is that... one of them it, freak accidents. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe religion is a result of people not wanting to hold as much responsibility. So when humans became socialized and built large civilizations, you started having massive infighting, people starving because they didn't have resources. And alongside that... Um, alongside like maybe plagues and diseases just like absolutely wreaking havoc across their civilizations they think well why why is this this great injustice maybe there's an evil god who's creating these diseases all of these things that can't be explained malaria dysentery where do things come from where do these worms appear why do flies hate us why why am i here why am Absolutely. i here you're, you're, oh god put me here be, Easy. because it, it's it's all about control as you see again obviously it's t- yeah, you're absolutely right. Control society at the end of the day by, you know, saying, oh, there's an evil God or evil. I'm not even saying it's to control. I'm saying it's just uh, it's just a rationalization of why there is this in the world. But, but is why it, the it sky is, is blue, control. why I'm happy, why I'm sad. Yeah. And what, why did the Mayans build pyramids just like the Egyptians when they're on the other side of the world? Except they're not different. They're extremely stylistically different. The pyramids of Giza are actually flatlined. They still built them. China, but they still built them. Yeah, because they're an extremely sturdy structure. They're in. They're in pretty much every every country of the world, though. They're even in Scotland because it's a it's a wonderful shape because you're able to say, okay, this side is the north face, this side the south, this the east, this the west. Mm. It's triangular, so it's earthquake resistant. It's able to just but the wall built around sweep all the the way down. It's yeah, but the wall built around at about the same time. If you yeah, well, not the same time even, but I will say not literally the same year, but the Mm. wall born in uh, built in the same period. Yes, there were. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that one. Well, look it up. But I I will say that a pyramid just makes sense structurally for its cardinal directions, for its stability. If you made a large tower and you didn't have, like, steel beams going through it, it would crumble. When you have a large pyramid structure, it can't really crumble unless you, like, knock off the top, which is kind of what happened. um, It certainly can if you made it. It it certainly can if you tried to build it like you built a, a, a structure and it was hollow. So it doesn't matter if it's a pyramid or not, it would still fall in. The The pyramids were built in a certain way where there was corridors, so there was less chance of it collapsing in on itself. Yeah, because they probably had a lot of practice runs beforehand that were then swept up and re-picked up the materials and then remade a new pyramid bigger and better than before. That's why we see so many of those pyramids. We only but see three. I don't think, what? There's only three pyramids, isn't there? 
No. no <laughs> they're all over the no, world, mate. Hundreds. A lot of them yeah. actually still, they're under like um, mounds oh, of sand. soil and that, yeah. They're, they're, mm. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, sand. you've got, you've got the Chinese emperor, sorry, the Chinese emperor, from my understanding, is they said that his actual, his his tomb is surrounded by mercury. I don't know, can anybody verify? I'm sure, I'm sure I've read it. Is that is that correct? Apparently the Chinese won't allow it to be investigated, but they said there's actually literally a river of mercury surrounding his tomb. And mercury, from my understanding, is the chemical that the Germans used to create the uh, uh, like an anti-gravity machine through vortexes. So um, why why would they want mercury back in say you know four or five thousand years ago if they didn't already know that it uh, it it could be used to harness the power that could create an anti-gravity machine? Oh, have I threw one in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Germans had some very crazy ideas. Well, because that because that bell, and um, check it up because I could be wrong for the exact year, but the the Germans that had that bell apparently, it I read that it reappeared in in the nineteen seventies. So yeah, I've I've seen that. So the this bell thing apparently the story goes. It obviously hasn't been verified. It's not like scientific. No, nobody's going to come out and bring it out on the news. No, but it basically this bell was set off and it span and it went and it disappeared. And I think it was uh, it was early 2000s, something like that. And this thing well, came from shit? the sky Where and it smashed. From? It was the Second World Bloody War, you muppet. It was hmm? Hitler, It was Germany. the Second World War, it happened. But this bell came in the tw- 2000s. It didn't. It was in 1975 or 77 it reappeared. Which means it created time travel, and it was it, they used. Look it up. It's mercury they used, and what they've done is they they can create like a vortex engine in a sense that actually can um, create the kind of power that would be required to um, create an anti gravity machine, let alone a time machine. I don't know, but but I, I don't think they can go backwards in time. But I think you know we might be able to move forwards because. I think if we could move backwards, we'd have that many parallel universes. You, you just, well, you wouldn't even want to think about it, would you? I've just uh, consulted my <laughs> little desk demon there for you, Amph. Mm-hmm. It was actually someone called uh, Quin Shai Hang- mm-hmm. Huang, or whatever you call him. Okay. Uh, his tomb was actually encir- uh, was said to, uh, to be encircled by a river of mercury. Yeah. But it wasn't just that. He died at the age of 39 because he was taking mercury pills thinking was, it would make was, him live forever. Was, yeah, that's right. He was drinking mercury or eating it. But why was he drinking or eating or whatever he was doing with it was because he believed it had some kind of properties. Yeah, that... it, it made him believe that he was able to live forever. Hmm. Yeah, well, but... well, we hear about the term mad as a hatter because hatters back in the Victorian period that's used right, to roll mercury right, yeah. in. Then it got absorbed into their skin and made them insane. But yeah, Qin Shi Huang, um, he he probably would have just thought, as well as the entire culture, they call it quicksilver back then. So they saw it as it's one of the only metals apart from gallium, which is far rarer and harder to extract. That is liquid at room temperature. Now that's quite magical in itself, something that is shiny and metallic, but also liquid. You'd think that was some crazy magic juju. Of course you'd want to try drinking it. And once you start, you start going insane. Of course you'd want to continue drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But so Yeah, you would have to be insane to drink that. Um I'm just looking, there's actually plenty of theories around that bell. Um one it was a time machine, the other was believed to be a stealth fighter. 
um, there was a 2014 German documentary um, which looked into all of them. Uh, but I, I have heard what you heard, that, that the spell did reappear. Um, and it, but it had hit someone's car. <laughs> and it was the same object the Germans had designed. And, and it disappeared. Now, yeah. I think that uh, my belief is that the Germans were far more advanced than we believe, we know about um, because we're dabbling in all kinds of things. Um, and I just think that the, the obviously it was all covered up by the West when they found out what was really going on. I mean, you know, rocket engines was created by the Germans. Uh, we well, you look were, at the we size of that behind, cannon that uh, Hitler built for one of the wars. Which one, sorry? That giant cannon that he built. Oh, yeah, that was, wasn't that the one he wanted to shoot across to Britain? Was yeah, that, that one? one, yeah. Yeah, it was on a train or something. It was a train tracks, and it was a God knows how many, like, uh, big, big yeah, but then, meters along yeah, and all that. But then that, somebody come I mean? up with the V1 rocket or the V2 rocket or the, or the whatever they were called, I can't remember, and then obviously that, that idea was scrapped because they come up with a better idea, so... Yeah. So who gave Hitler those ideas to actually come up with those? Uh, the, the, well, he, because the, basically, but because my understanding is that he he had his scientists. He got, you know, he got world class scientists, and he gave them free reign to do whatever you want. And there was no restrictions. Whereas, like, if today there's restrictions on what they can and cannot do, like the, <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of modern day medicines, as horrible as it is, do actually come from Germany, um, experimenting on people. You know. Oh, that's it. I'm not taking no more pills. But I will no, say, if they, were, the are trying to kill us. <laughs> if they were all so advanced, then why do we not see any single instance of quote-unquote strange technology that seems to come from elsewhere? I mean, we got the rockets, great, but we've been building rockets for kind of thousands of years and everything is extremely well explained. There's no kind well, of exogenic uh, technology we, needed for everything yeah. we've seen in Nazi Germany and that stuff. Isn't the, the blueprints for the, like, the stealth bomber supposed to be alien-like. No, it's very well explained. The stealth bomber. I think that was... Uh, it's, it's, it's explained. When they first came up with that idea, though, they made it out as if it was actual a- a- alien technology. Yeah, I think like that, that came from the Area 51. It's because, I think that came yeah. from the Area 51 because they tested it and people thought it was... An yeah, alien because... It, I mean, device. But the, the thing is, is humans have created anti-gravity machines, but apparently we can only get the... Um, we can we can only get the gravity down to 11%, we can't actually get it to zero where, where you'd actually require it to be able to do a, a 90 degree turn at like a, a thousand miles an hour or whatever. Um, but the the reason why Germany, uh, you know, didn't win, in my opinion, is because they went east, he, he attacked, if, he had, if he'd stayed true to his cause with um, Russia, um, I think Germany could have well have won the war. The, because the technology was leaps and bounds above us, and the only re- the only reason he lost is because he attacked Russia, which meant he had a war on two fronts. And then obviously, when we won um, down in Africa, he had a war on three front three fronts. As soon as we, we sort of uh, defeated um, Italy, so he was buggered. So it, you know his technology didn't matter uh, then because he was just outnumbered and. Um, but it was certainly wasn't the technology. The, the technology was years ahead of us. I just find mm. you guys' use of Occam's razor to kind of like say, okay, this this is where like the explanation kind of makes it. It, it just it just hits me <laughs> in a very weird way because you're talking about like, okay, humans could have made period uh, these pyramids, so it must have been aliens. That I can be like, okay, 
Uh, all right, okay, I can I can kind of jive with that. But then it becomes there's a bell that was seen and it disappeared and it came back and it's gone again. Therefore, aliens and time travel well, no, and no, anti gravity think... instead of well, what if another bell? I know, but egg. But the point is, is if the, if would would you if you were in t- charge of a country or whatever or super, you know the the shadow government, you're not going to put that out there. I'd make use of it. <laughs> You, you might be use of it, but, but you're not going to put it, it out there. You're not going to let people why like us. Why not? It's more science because, that we can well, put forward. Well, for I mean, why didn't we keep nuclear right, warfare okay. under wraps in that case? Because now we have like the all of the Middle East who are trying. Well, to because it's like everything. Own. I know, but it's the same. As soon as somebody creates something, obviously, you know, people know it exists. So eventually, somebody will be able to copy it. And as you know, you've got spies and espionage, and it, it goes on. But she has a sim- he has she has a simpler one, and most people don't even think of this, right? We've got technology that moves on. They say it doubles every two or three years or something along. I could be wrong, but anyway. So we've got the technology of smartphones, computers, etc., etc. Now, how come that cars are were created in when was it the early nineteen early eighteen hundreds, and yet we're still using petrol? Why? <laughs> because of the petrol great? industry, because of capitalism, making sure yeah, exactly. that we stay and linked because in. Some, because somebody's so greedy, they'll actually they'll, they'll crush any anything new that comes up. If you're powerful enough, you can crush it. And that's pretty much probably the same thing as what happened with the bell. I'm not saying it is, but the, the bell did exist. I've seen photographs, look it up, that you'll show you pictures of the bell. It did um, actually exist, yes. Yeah, it did. Um, and um, whether it did appear in the 70s... Uh, Again, it was. I don't know for a fact, but that's what that's what I've read. So I don't know. But the point is, is it did exist. But the, again, it's because people are corporations and all that. Got, this is why this why the planet's in the state. It's in, in my opinion, is because of the corporations and because people yeah. are suppressing the elites. Um, the suppress anything that they feel as though it's going to take over or overtake their product. Um, will be suppressed if we can and I think that's the way it is all over the world well I think it's like the electric the electric car the electric car is only becoming advanced and allowed to go ahead because of the climate change issue which keeps coming in the news and getting brought up if it hadn't been through that petrol would have crushed it but 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 you see the thing is with electricity electrical cars it's a non-starter one everybody knows that it, to get that lithium out the ground causes like five or ten years worth of damage that any petrol car would ever do but the it it's not practical because imagine everybody in this country plugged their car in on a night time they've said it would it would bust the, the electricity grid you know there, there would be so much energy being drawn it's not practical it's not reasonable it's, it's just you pathetic. can just imagine how many can't happen. Also would be because of all these cars plugged in at which, the same yeah, time which is why we need to up our uh, renewable energy production by so right. friggin' much uh, by 2050. Uh, yeah, and I'll tell you what it is. Here's the, here's the most frustrating one, right? How far do you have to go down under Earth before the the um, the ground actually becomes that hot that it, 16 it's miles? like a volcano? Right. So, and that's not really that hard, is it? Not for human humankind. No, now, not really. No, it's not. Really cause, not. Of course, it's not. Now, everybody knows about thermal energy. How come we don't have thermal engines that power and create the electricity that we need to run every day, right? We do. They're called deep. They're called uh, deep geothermal energy. uh, Yeah. 
Ah, Angie pipes. I'm talking about on a worldwide scale, though. Mm. Uh, oh, so one like wraps around the world, or no, just no. being used everywhere? Just, no, each country yeah, could but use I know it about themselves. the point. What I'm China saying does. is, we've... right? China may, but no one else. Yeah, because oh, <laughs> there's no room. There's no room to get enough energy down. to get enough. I okay, so this is I literally write essays about this one. <laughs> so it mm-hmm. would be wonderful if all of a sudden deep geothermal energy could like enter the mainstream but where it's needed most is is in big urban urban settlements where you just have like uh just city planning where everything is so densely packed that if you want to put a uh, a deep uh, geothermal uh, heat pump down to the ground. Wonderful, but it'll cost you an arm and a leg and uh, <laughs> the equivalent rent for square footage in London. And the um, the amount of payback you get from getting clean geothermal energy doesn't cut the doesn't uh, meet the requirements of how much it costs to just have that land be used for uh, geothermal energy. It's all money. It's everything is money. That's the reason I, why I understand about that. Big, big I, I do understand money. that, but you know, um, if you think long term, and I'm not talking about a, a, a little uh, thermal energy. I'm talking about. I mean, what is a what is a nuclear uh, power plant? It's just the steam engine, really, and yeah. it's the same principle, is it not? Yeah, steam, yeah, yeah. A steam engine, but on yeah. a more deadly scale. It's not even deadly as long as you don't just Chernobyl it. You make sure that when it has a dead man switch, it actually deactivates. Gosh darn it. Uh Well, I think we're diverted a little bit, yeah. We went from human existence to conspiracy to actual human living, I'm guessing. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I I just want Egg to explain, because obviously he's studied it more, and certainly more than me. Because, but why is it that it wouldn't be a viable thing? I mean, I forget. Like, so let's take out the cost out of it because on a country scale, it's not a problem. But I'm not talking about building one in the middle of London. I'm talking yeah. about sort of you know you could have rural areas. But if you go 60 miles down and you build a, a, you know this a, a, not one engine but 19 engines that yeah. create the electricity that could power um, you know a large city if not more why why would that not be viable okay so first off it's because of things like three mile island chernobyl fukushima all of these things basically just gave nuclear energy such a bad name um even though in uh when we look at fukushima very few people died basically none of the radioactivity and none of the substances made it into the pacific and nothing really came of it people are still scared to heck out of it because they think what they put in a nuclear power station is the same as uh like a nuclear weapon (laughs) when they are chalk and cheese talking about thermal energy not um nuclear energy no i want to talk about nuclear because literally the best way to do it is just well, I wouldn't disagree with you on yeah. nuclear because I agree it's the safest, safest, cheapest form of energy we've got on the planet, hmm. and it doesn't get utilised properly. I absolutely agree. Nuclear energy can be very compact, but geothermal, it's it's too big. the The pipelines are too big; it takes up too right. much room to be used in urban environments. So, but, I'd like to, sorry. I'd like to say we're we're quite over time here. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us on that intriguing journey of uh of human origins uh stretching over to humans now and uh humans in the future you know what that might just be the episode title does that sound good for everyone <laughs> listen it we sounds can, good we yeah. can package it in our own we can do whatever we want because it's our show and not yours thank you everyone for joining us on this extravagant episode of the of a uh, 4g shore 
and Surf's Up Boys. Woo! Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.